Duterte. How do you say his name? Duterte? Duterte. I think, yeah, I think that's right. Duterte. I can't do it. I think you did it. Duterte. Yeah. Duterte. Duterte. That's Just say it. words fast and confidently and people assume that you're saying them right. Duterte. I got it now. Because even when I hear people I say things I know are wrong when they're really confident, I'm like, yeah. are they saying it right? And have I been screwed up this whole time? Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Well, it's perfect now. Uh, we're into it. Our enemies are innovative and resourceful, and so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. Whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether you're Solar World Sun or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could a Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome all to Mission Accomplishers. Nailed it. Mission Accomplishers, every Saturday night, 7 p.m. on AM 950, and available at all times around the world via podcast. Hunter Haas, Eric Nelson here with you. Eric Nelson here. And let's see, Bernie wants prisoners to be able to vote. Kamala Harris wants everyone to be prisoners. My question is, why isn't Dick Cheney currently in prison? That's a good question. That's a mystery. That's a tragedy. But it's the truth. Uh, well, a lot going on. We talked about this week uh, that Hitler-loving gay bar owner as well as straight pride parade on the repartee with the fellas this week. Yeah, what did he say about the Hitler-loving aspect? Was he said like Hitler did not go far enough or something along those lines? Yeah, he said Hitler should have finished the job or something Doesn't along sound those like lines. a fan of me. He's criticizing Hitler. Oh, no, no. Uh, too Probably from yeah. the wrong direction. Very good clarification. My feeling, though, is the man's a fan of Hitler. He had 20-some various posts calling Jews a cancer and criminals. and. Mm-hmm. He mainly focused on Israelis, though, didn't he? Yes. That's primarily what I saw is specifically about Israelis. And, and, and all these posts were not super long ago. The one I saw no. was like from 2015. There's a collection of like 20 screenshots and no, they're all within the past few years. You are correct. And that is his defense is that he insists he's not anti-Semitic, that he has disagreements with Israel. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, Hitler had nothing to do with Israelis. No. And he's, he claims he's just reporting the facts. That place is going to be a... It could not succeed. They were making a blacklist already of everyone who registered yeah, to protest them. Yeah, that's a funny point. The the blacklist, they apparently already have hundreds of people who are banned for either criticizing Yeah, before you're even open. Or uh, attending the protest. Just hitting that you're attending the protest uh, will get you blacklisted from this bar. So you can get 86 before this gay bar is even opened. At Rudolph's, Rudolph's good location. Well, I mean, they had some pretty rude management. Sounds like this guy's trying to Yeah, new compete. level. <laughs> he had a GoFundMe. The GoFundMe has been taken down, and I don't and think it raised much. Was this prior to all this, like, anti-Judaism, anti-Semitic? I posted before, and it's not clear who discovered 
these past comments, like how they came to Probably to anyone life, who's Facebook friends with them. Interesting because when places open, I don't start looking into the owners and then yeah. like – I'm willing to bet that it was dirt. someone who was in some – in the same social circles as him. Yeah. Who kind of – Tried to get he, back at him by releasing this to city pages or wherever it was. He criticized people that were leaving feedback on the Facebook page of Cheers, the name of the place, and he was very hostile towards the people. He wrote that you and your community can kiss my blank and none of you evil people commenting on this post are allowed in my bar. Go have a drink in hell because you're all going there when you exit this earth. And there's a bunch of other comments like mm-hmm. that. He's a respond guy. Was this just speculative that he would open this restaurant or was it in the works right now? Because this guy sounds like someone of limited ability. Been in the works for a bit. People hmm. were initially excited for it. I can see that because there's not really any sort of gay bars in the uptown area. There was like a leather coffee bar for a while. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's still around. Precisely. But this whole situation has just gotten more hostile by the way he has responded. And I don't see it ever calming down. The other thing is that uh, straight pride has been approved in Boston. There will be a straight pride parade in Boston organized by a couple Massachusetts conservatives they feel that I'm so excited to see what that looks like. <laughs> like they're supposed to have floats and stuff. Isn't every like sort of traffic jam a straight parade? <laughs> just a bunch <laughs> of angry guys in jorts. I know, and just you think of the people that are gonna show up to this. It could be very funny. It, like I hope the gays break into it and just start submitting their own floats. Like this is barbecue dads with their Oakleys. <laughs> uh yeah, so he he says that uh, straight people are the oppressed majority and that LGBTQ, everything is based upon identity and whether or not one is characterized as a victim or an oppressor. If you get victim status, you're entitled to celebrate yourself, expect uh, expect those with oppressor status to defer to your feelings. Uh, but the, the the entire idea of a straight pride parade and it being necessary is a victim complex. Yeah, he's explaining this criticism that he and then he's just going on to do it exactly himself. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if he even is aware of it. If this is like an I, ironic move, I doubt it is. No, because. Uh, people have fantasized about oh, yeah. this for a yeah. long time. Why isn't there a white history month? Yeah, so the, now something has actually come to fruition and going to be a real event. But, it's going to be hilarious. Um, I can't wait. All of the worst people that you know are always complaining about that. Why isn't there a white history month? Why isn't there a straight pride Chuds, you know, from high school that have all the worst views. You hear it all the time. I've heard people It's the people in power who believe that they're oppressed because they're asked to make the tiniest allowance for marginalized group. The straight pride flag will be flown. What is the straight pride flag? I believe that it's essentially a rainbow flag in grayscale. At least if the one I saw, which I thought was a joke at the time, is the straight pride flag. I would expect a bunch of the Kekistanis to flock to this event. So a lot of Pepe's and 
outright influence. I think it seems like such a joke. Like these people are going to get laughed at that any savvy individual is going to immediately recognize that it's a laughing stock. And nothing these people hate more than to be laughed at. Yeah, that's true. But it's going to be the types of people that went to Charlottesville, but a less intense version of that. This is more playful than what Charlottesville, Unite the Right, that's what was I'm organized around. But you're going to get the same is types of people. Is it playful, though? Because that's why it's, it sounds like so odd, because it seems like a bitter reaction to the gay pride parade. Yeah. Have you ever seen is, just like a cranky but, parade? Just I'm saying that Charlottesville was very direct and hate-filled, whereas this mm-hmm. isn't as much of blaming anyone on anything. Where that, there was just flat-out racism. and This is just uh, outrage against the culture? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I used to live in Boston. The thing is, they're going to get a bunch of the frat boy types to go there because there's so many colleges in Boston. Mm-hmm. So I feel... That there will be people who will show up to this. Do you think that's a popular perspective nowadays on college campuses, though? Even like frat boys? Because my brother was in a frat. Yeah. And they didn't seem like the type who would go for that at all. But I still feel like there's going to be those, the young Republicans groups. Yeah. They'll always exist. There's still entitled college kids are going to have this mentality that they should be a part of straight pride. Especially in the Boston area. A lot of those colleges are just from upper-class, northeastern families. Yeah, absolutely. If you were going to put on a straight parade, what would you have featured? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess it would be like the man show. The first iteration or the second iteration? First iteration. That sounds too fun then. That's what I mean. That's how – if I was organizing straight pride parade, how I would do it. Play into it. Bikini girls like Hooters and – but yeah, what do you do? What represents being straight in this fashion? I mean – Because it's just so ordinary. Like how do you make a festival of it? That's what I'm saying. Everyone dressing up in jean shorts, below the knees at least, you got to have some reflective Oakley sunglasses. Uh Uh-huh. You got to have at least – you know the little holster for your cell phone? Yeah. Got to have that on oh, there. Oh yeah, that'd be maybe good for a Bluetooth pride. Hmm. And who represents a champion of straightness? Um, hmm. Donald Trump? Or who no, gets really Donald offended? Trump is so effeminate, and he loves like telling people they can't come to his parties. He's yeah. like the parody of like the catty gay guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it'd be uh, someone who is really insecure, I guess, and really wants to put their their manhood forward, like. Joe Scarborough? Joe Scarborough. <laughs> I mean, he's, yeah, he's classic straight man. He's got the, the prototype look. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of, the prototype. Pete Buttigieg? Buttigieg? He's gay. I know. I'm <laughs> mm. But he kind of looks like what I'm imagining the straightest man to look like. Yeah, he does. I know. For a gay guy, he doesn't look very gay. Mm-hmm. I had an ex-girlfriend who once told me that I was like the straightest person she's ever met. And I didn't take that kindly. That was a mean thing to say. I'm routinely called the gayest straight person someone's ever met. Hmm. I had a friend who uh, for 15 months thought I was gay the entire time and just like a couple weeks ago found out I was straight. He was so embarrassed by it. <laughs> Kept uh, hooking me up on like uh, blind dates. Like, oh, can't. 
Why do you keep trying then, to make me well, meet your friends? I was like, well, you knew that at one point I was engaged. And he goes, yeah, I just thought you weren't comfortable with it. And I'm like, what? Uh, anyway, straight pride in Boston. Another thing I'd note on Pride is Doritos is releasing a rainbow edition bag of Doritos where the chips are rainbow colored. Wow, that's incredibly woke. Mm-hmm. Food coloring hasn't gone over very well recently. If you remember those black Burger King burgers. Recently, yeah. Well, do you remember the green and purple ketchup? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a classic. I bought that because I wanted it really bad. But then when I had it, it was not appetizing. Which is kind of strange because there are green tomatoes and there are purple tomatoes. Yeah. Which is maybe what they were going for with that. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was so fluorescently colored that it was disgusting. Colored food has never really turned people on. Yeah, when it looks the opposite of what you're expecting. And Doritos is such a fun – Because Doritos is what you would expect to be eaten at straight pride. See, there's a perfect thing. The rainbow. Dorito handouts. Well, you could have a straight pride flag Doritos of just gray colored, just a hue of different mm. grays. Fifty shades of gray Doritos. This is just another example of when I I don't know if their heart's in the right place or not, but it just seems like they're exploiting some sort of social movement to mm. give off the illusion that they're in this social justice fight together, mm-hmm. except for just exploiting it for their own monetary gain. The thing is, the reason they keep doing it is it works. Like Nike, after they got Colin Kaepernick and all the outrage that we saw over it, all the boycotts, uh, their sales went up like they, very noticeably. That's an interesting thing, though, because I think that Nike intentionally caused outrage. Mm-hmm. I well, don't know is, if this Dorito one is intentional or not to cause outrage. Yeah, not necessarily. Uh, but that is a move that corporations have been doing is to intentionally cause outrage for the uh, massive amount of media coverage you get and then the amount of allies that fall for it and fork out the money and do buy it. It works as a business strategy. Oh, and I'm, I'm sure there's going to be so many people sharing this on Instagram like, got my gay Doritos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, ugh, they sound gross to me. I don't really like Doritos to begin I with. I don't like Doritos to begin with either. No, they're it's no the smell good. I think that upsets me the most. Yeah, they it's, they're not appetizing. Some chips I like. I like. Um, it's like the verisimilitude of corn chips. Uh, you know, I don't really like chips particularly. I'll eat them, but I'm not like a necessarily a fan. I'm a salt and vinegar boy. Those are good. I want to eat jalapeno kettle chips. Those are good I too. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Doritos, no. No good. I want a chip that can like strip the skin lining of the inside of my mouth. Ah, uh, wow. When you eat like a whole bag of salt and vinegars and you just have like raw yeah. inside of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Takes you back to the days when you were a kid eating handfuls of warheads. Yeah. What do, what do you think about fries using vinegar as a dipping sauce? I like it. Yeah, I don't experience it often. But, well, like uh, pretty much every fish and chips place has that. I know, but I'm I don't experience it often, so it is a treat when it mm-hmm. happens. Uh, In my opinion, not enough things use vinegar. I really like that caustic, biting, uh, sour over in flavor. England, but here we don't use it much. Uh, England, they're a big fan of vinegar. Mm-hmm. Um, we like ketchup. Ketchup uh, has I, elements of vinegar in it, but not I as know much as I like. Certain people who 
are just obsessed with ketchup. Like uh, this this one person, he put it on absolutely everything, even like ham sandwiches. Gross. It, it, no, it, it was disgusting. But he had just uh, almost anything he would pair with ketchup. The first couple months that I had sriracha sauce were like that. Where I was trying, like, almost thinking of excuses to put sriracha onto things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of like had a moment. I feel like I think everyone, everyone got into sriracha at the same time. And I don't think what well, kind of came out at one point, and then everyone's like, "Wow, what is this new flavor?" And I still yeah. like it, but it's just not as novel as it was before. Yeah, uh, I always associate it with the the Kurt Russell movie, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. I think it's called. Uh, because that was the first time I tried sriracha, and it just went hand in hand. It was a perfect pairing. And what are you always, talking about? It wasn't in that movie, was it? No, I just watched the movie. Oh, you were watching while it when you ate the it the first okay. time. I tried it, and yeah. I just can't uh, escape that because they just paired so well together. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I mean, flavor is one of the closest uh, senses to memory that people have. Mm, yeah, um, that's why I like Mountain Dew so much. Is associates uh, with happy memories of my childhood well because that's easy those sodas they just uh they're like drugs for kids they just high yeah, uh hardwire your brain and get all the juices flowing yeah rodrigo duterte said he cured himself of being gay now that's a that's a bold statement there and um if you're not familiar with duterte he is uh, the Philippines um, prime minister. I'm not really sure what his official position is. He's kind of the head of state as elected. Yeah, and he is a very bold leader. He's a far-right nationalist, I think would be a good way to describe him. Yeah, the alt-right people love Duterte. Do they? Americans? Yeah. like the, I know uh, Trump's a fan. Mm-hmm, Trump's a fan, but the uh, like alt-right internet board people they're all about him because of his uh just relentlessness yeah. nazis really like him too well he says like super outrageous things in the same yeah. vein as trump mm-hmm. remember he was saying he wanted to send all the drug dealers to this one island where isis had a base <laughs> and if they survive for a year then they could come back yeah he does not like drugs he uh is known for killing drug dealers and drug users yeah they just have public executions of them but so he cured himself of being gay uh he said at least according to his claims but his claims are confusing yeah we'll read this he told the crowd in japan that he was once gay but cured himself of homosexuality when he married his first wife so he did he specifically say that he cured himself of homosexuality because what i read was that he was saying uh my opponent he has homosexual yes. uh, mannerisms. So, yes, he accused his opponent of being gay. And then um, it's the quote is, I said, are you sure? They said, you ask any gay person who sees Terillion's move. I don't know what that is. That must be his opponent. Uh, yes, that is. Oh, good one. Good one. <laughs> the, the aliens, the Terillions. <laughs> Uh They'll say he's gay. No wonder... Good thing Trillions and I are similar, but I cured myself, Duterte said. 
Uh, Duterte is gay, so I am gay. I don't care if I'm gay or not, the president later said. The controversial leader has a history of making controversial remarks about that. Like, LGBT no way this community. guy's not on drugs. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why he hates it. He's one of those self loathing people. Uh, so in 2006. The Russian Limbaugh types? Yeah. He called the U.S. ambassador to his country a gay son of a bee in a speech. And he said under Philippine law, marriage was only for a man and a woman, but later backtracked to say that he believes the law can be changed to allow same-sex marriage. Hmm, I didn't know that. Uh, So in Tokyo, though, he said he began a relationship with his ex-wife, Elizabeth Zimmerman, and he became a man again. He... uh, Added that he was cured by beautiful women before he invented <laughs> or he invited several women on stage and kissed them on the cheek. So, thank you, beautiful women. That's a bold for cure Duterte. This is a new one. I have not heard of anyone uh, claiming to have been gay and cure themselves and by being attracted to women. <laughs> beautiful women. Yeah, I mean that's just odd way to. Yeah, I was gay, and then I got attracted to women, and I. That why me. would you ever bring that up? Like, I think it was he was using it as like a weird tactic to be like, "Oh, actually, my opponent is definitely gay. I know that because I was one once, uh, but I'm not anymore. Don't yeah. worry about it." Yeah, because it's hard to find a reason why to even add that to the conversation. Especially because he's attacking him for that uh-huh. and going like, "Oh yeah, I was." Uh, gay, by the way, too. That seemed it's in the so past, but it's over. Unnecessary. It is very Trump, though. You could see Trump just saying something ridiculous like mm-hmm. that. But listen, people, they tell me, they tell me only I know all the gay people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I tell them it's because I am. Um, fascinating, though. But yeah, uh, Nazis love Duterte. The um, what's his name, Andrew Anglin or something? The guy who runs the. Um, that main Nazi website, the Daily Stormer. Stormfront? No, the Daily. Daily Stormer is a podcast, I think. No. And Stormfront is a forum, but they're probably related in some way. It's it's. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the Daily Stormer, um, and they they took the name from a a Nazi newspaper. Uh, but on the topic, uh, YouTube is taking down legitimate. Nazi educational documentaries as a part of their crackdown on hate speech. And that really frustrates me because I watch a lot of Nazi docs and on YouTube. Um, so they're they're going a little too far with that one because I'm assuming this is some sort of like algorithm based mechanism. Yes, it's a lot of uh, educational Leaders and teachers have been complaining that their documentaries have been taken down oh, that I, are I, not like um, advocating in any way for. Yeah, I was Nazi more referring ideas. to the mechanism by which Google finds these documentaries. They're mm-hmm. not going through it with a fine tooth comb. They're just no. using some sort of program to find words or something like that. Be like, oh, this is problematic. This is problematic. Yeah, and, and YouTube is under fire often for censorship and uh, similar moves of like demonetizing videos and now they're really taking videos completely off the platform but legitimate nazi documentaries being wiped off is it's frustrating because uh, those are tools 
for education of history to not have it be repeated. So I I hope that this is a mistake and they fix it yeah, and that's have kind of these why come was, back. That's kind of why I was mentioning that I assume that it's algorithm-based mm-hmm. because then they can go retroactively add them back when they realize that it's the, not a part of the broader problem that they're trying to solve. The people who are complaining about it haven't gotten any response from YouTube currently. Um, but there's also this interesting movie that just came out about censorship and right-wing popular like uh, new media figures complaining about it, like you Alex Jones and Paul Joseph Watson and uh, Laura Loomer, all these characters, they, they sit down with them. Um, but I actually found myself having a bit of pity for them. Like I, uh, you were sympathetic to I their cause sympath- or I, well, to their own personal the situation? Idea that they, of being censored, um, even though we don't like these people, applauding censorship isn't a good way to go about it because we that can be applied to left-wing ideas just as easily. Yeah, I'm with you for the most part. I think that there are some ideas that are outside of the sphere of mm-hmm. public opinion where it goes to uh, why are we even arguing this? This is such a like far-out ideology. I don't even know where to begin to mm-hmm. approach it. It's like when you know someone's like advocating for a genocide or something like that. It's like I can't yeah. argue against how many people we should kill. I just want to say none. Totally, but – YouTube does have a problem where they are clumsy about how they're going about these things. and Oh, yeah. Well, there's so many people. It's going mm-hmm. to happen eventually. Um, but it's it's something to not get too carried away with blocking things that you just don't like to hear and focusing on like what you're talking about, actually threatening content. Mm-hmm. And I think it does make certain content more sexy to a lot of the uh, audiences it's like oh this is forbidden uh-huh. they don't have any answer to these questions that's why they have to not allow us to voice our opinions mm-hmm. because they can't like beat us in an honest debate yeah yeah uh, alex jones is marketing with his uh, forbidden band everywhere but then alex jones is still on the radio he's uh me and brett were looking at uh oh yeah he is like very wide distribution 11 30 a.m in minnesota and he gets played on the weekends we were pretty uh amazed that alex jones is you can hear on the radio in minnesota i didn't know that yeah i didn't know that either uh where's he out of like austin yeah he's in austin okay uh that that movie too showed alex jones Alex Jones Studios, and they were really impressive. Like I'm sure they're nice. The, it was interesting seeing the behind the scenes of it, but so many LCD screens, and he really invested in that Infowars setup. Well, I'm sure he was pulling in boatloads of money, mm-hmm. all the different like it, sham products they were selling. <laughs> yeah, vitamins for marked up, you know, two thousand percent. I wonder if he's boxes of uh, seeds for five hundred dollars. I wonder if he is losing money currently after being deplatformed, 
or if if he's able, like I doubt and, it. If he's losing money, and if it's a drastic amount, I doubt. He, I'm sure he's making not as much money as before, mm-hmm. which he probably qualifies as a loss. But I don't think that he's netting below zero dollars in income. Yeah, that, that would be over. interesting. I haven't heard anything about that, but I mean, what would his overheads be that he is spending at this point that he can't recoup? Well, I mean, think about Norman Goldman and how. Yeah, I don't. I would like to see what he was doing because I do not understand how he's spending ten thousand dollars a month. Yeah, so, listeners, uh, the reason that Norman Goldman had to stop his show was he was losing uh, tens of thousands of dollars a month, and we can't figure out how it costs that much. I was thinking about this, and I think this is the equation he's using to come to that amount. He's thinking about, okay, how much am I worth as a hireable employee or how much is my labor worth? Mm-hmm. And then subtracting that as a cost. You think Norman himself? Yeah. I No, because I think he was legitimate losses because he talked about losing over a million dollars on this show. Over... I know, but a lot of these guys will use a loss of potential income and claim that that's a loss. Mm. Um, but yeah, regardless, it's insane uh, for but a radio I show. That's to the only cost way I can possibly much, imagine. Um, because there are ways to do it much, much cheaper. I mean, once you have the studio set up, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to maybe pay for some staff, but yeah, you shouldn't be nothing... constantly hemorrhaging money like that. No, yeah. So who knows? But something interesting going on right now is. Kellen Winslow Jr. He's on trial for allegedly raping a homeless woman, a hitchhiker, an unconscious teenager, and several other cases. Who but, is this guy? So he's I've not heard about this. He was once the highest paid tight end in the NFL. And his dad, also named Kel- Kellen Winslow, uh, is was a world famous tight end himself, like a kind of a Local San Diego legend. So the I'll read a little summary so everyone's on the same page on what's going on here. But the charges span 16 years beginning in 2003. Allegations that Winslow, when he was 19 at the time, uh, raped an unconscious 17-year-old. Uh, and then other charges stem from a string of incidents Last year, uh, one, uh, he allegedly kidnapped a 54-year-old woman and forced her to perform oral sex, allegedly raped and sodomized a 59-year-old woman. Then two weeks later, he exposed his genitalia to a 57-year-old. Then last summer, June 7, 2018, almost a year exactly ago, uh, he was uh, arrested at his home. Uh, Law enforcement officials said that he entered a senior community intending to rape an 86-year-old woman who was sleeping. What the hell? Yeah. And uh, then... This uh, is right before he got arrested because there was like a... Yes, that's what's insane is the timeline on this. It's like a... Okay, yeah, he did that one rape a while ago. That probably shows he'll do it later on. But then he seemed Mm -hmm. to go into like like a... I don't know. So um, then, marathon, a sprint. Uh, then a, 
burglary. This is, I believe, the same exact day there was a burglary reported, and it was identified as him. Um, the man confronted him, and Winslow said he was looking for a red dog named Clifford. Wait, a burglar broke in when he was raping someone? No, this was uh, just a um, a burglary happened. I, I see it. I don't know exactly. Um, sounds like actually he was the burglar. Yes, and then confronted, and he said he was looking for a red dog named Clifford because they actually spoke to him. That's a not a very creative lie. But, and then two of these women are there uh, in their fifties. One was a homeless woman. The other was a hitchhiker, and. This is all just on a rampage. Just yeah, it was like a three-week period, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And then there's also uh, stories that they can't use this in court, but of him going into women's locker rooms and uh, just a ton of overall creepy things when he shouldn't have been doing, like when he needed to be on his best behavior, when he was on probation, um, just reports of doing dumb things. Like, like sexual deviancy. Like this guy can't control himself at all, clearly. So uh, he's been in jail. And then uh, currently his trial has been going on for the past two, three weeks. And uh, it's on court TV and every so how, day. How old is he right now? He's um, 34. Okay, and when was he in the league? Um, few like did he leave 2004. Like... I think he was drafted. Okay, and when did, did you know when he retired? Um, that he's I not don't in the know. league anymore. At least is what no. Nope. Um, he let's see. I think it says he was selected the sixth pick in the 2004 NFL draft. Spent four years with the Cleveland Browns. Played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. New England Patriots and New York Jets retired in the 2013 season, uh, during which he was suspended for a four-game for violating the performance-enhancing drug policy. He's married father. His wife has been showing up to his cases lately. Uh, if he's he's got uh, 10, 15, maybe 20 felony charges in this trial. And if he's found guilty on any of them, he could potentially face life in prison. Wow. I mean, it certainly sounds to me, just from your description of this case, like he's guilty. How could one guy be I know. accidentally charged with 20 different cases that are all very similar? Yeah. So um, what's interesting is Court TV just resurfaced. Like they rebooted the network. And so they've been airing this every day kind of uh, coverage all day, cameras in the courtroom, and then analyzing it afterwards. And uh, God, some troll over there is just like tenting his fingers, like <laughs> wait for the perfect crime. <laughs> then we can launch our channel. But yeah, I know, I know. Just wait uh, for the creepiest guy. But it, what I've noticed is, so my mom's been watching it every day, and I'm like, God, for like a retired person who has the time on their hands, this is like the coolest thing to invest yourself in as a TV, like, 
watching oh, yeah, thing. It's like live a drama. real life trial. I know that's it's it's the coolest. We didn't really ever have. There was like a handful of things, like O.J. Simpson was kind of yeah. before our time. Uh, I remember that. My mom did the same thing. She had court TV on the entire time and watched that. So it's reminding me a lot of that case. But ex NFL player. Yeah, and uh, I met Cato Caitlin when I was a kid. The uh, one of the main people involved in that case, the friend of Nicole's. Um, I was like, he got a raw deal. Four or five years old, and there's a picture of him. Uh, holding me up above his head. That was pretty cool and unusual. <laughs> I've got a picture with Cato. Um, but, yeah, just um, this case and just the idea of court TV, that's one of the cooler things that you could waste your time doing. I know that I kind of got into during the Chris Dorner case, just following was... that around. He was a LAPD cop who was – Targeting other police department, police's uh, families. Uh, he mm. killed a couple other cops, killed some family members of cops. But then the entire like LAPD just went nuts and were shooting up random trucks that didn't match wow. his truck. Uh, like they shot up a silver Toyota yeah. when he was driving a black Ford and uh, just riddled it with bullets. Like, oh, we thought it was him. Following court cases, it's pretty fun. Like, but, but uh, this one was incredible because, like, I followed it to the very end, and you could find the police scanners online, mm-hmm. so you could oh, hear them cool. like they were tra- trapping him out in the woods. Yeah, up in the you know northern California, they were driving through looking for all these cabins. He was in a cabin. They were like staked out around it. Damn, uh, police scanners, another cool thing. If you got into that and just listen oh, yeah. to the police chatter and mm-hmm. learn the uh, penal codes. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, there's uh, certain websites that you can just look through all the police scanners throughout yeah. the country. I've gotten the app before, but it never seems to be the correct one for my area, even though it says my city. Uh, it's not the the right one, I can tell. Yeah, I it's always going to be very boring, too, unless you're looking for something yeah. specific. Yeah, no, um, I'm trying to remember. The, the few times I've tried, there was things going on nearby that I really wanted to hear, and I couldn't get it to work. They do have private channels that they use a lot of the time. Mm. My grandpa had one of those scanners, the actual radio ones. Yeah. He'd have it just playing all the time. Yeah. Um, but going to court... Um, as a entertainment, like just showing up to the courthouse, that can be fun. If there's oh, yeah. a big case going on, that's something we should do. Just go down to the courthouse and watch. It's always fun going to court It's fun it's not just, for you. Yeah, just watching all the different cases throughout the day. I've done yeah. that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not for just to watch it, but you know, if you go for something else and just like, oh, wow, look at this cast of characters. Oh, yeah. If I've got a friend who has to go to court and needs a ride or something, I'll always do it because it's Super fun yeah. when it's not you. Like, why did you decide to wear your pajama bottoms today? Yeah. Uh, I saw someone, this true story. Nice it was, shirt. Trust uh, up shirt, but pajama bottoms. It was April 20th, and I was in a courthouse, and this guy went to his court date in a marijuana complete, like, pants and shirt, just uh, print. King. Yeah, marijuana. And what was his charge? I think it was a DWI, and he 
pushed it to trial. He didn't take the plea, which was nothing I oh, remember. I want to see that. <laughs> he uh the what he was potentially getting it was such a just uh tap on the wrist. It was nothing at all. And uh pushed it to trial and showed up to court like that. It's like, oh my Especially God. Especially for DUI. If you look at those maximum sentences, yeah, they can hammer you. Yeah. Not a good move. Well, DUI, uh, man drives drunk to police headquarters to pick up woman charged with DWI. Uh, the police smelled alcohol during a traffic stop for a moving violation, which led to the arrest of a 21-year-old woman at the police station. Uh, she called a 24-year-old man to pick her up, and when he arrived, the police smelled alcohol on him, and he was arrested as well. Uh, they were charged DWI and reckless driving, and both of them were released sober and have a court appearance coming up. I'm surprised this is on the police blotter because that seems like a situation that happens Who hasn't often. been there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the person picking you up is drunk. Well, I mean, if you're calling someone, you come from a party or something. Yeah, maybe this is, you know, middle of night, midnight. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> your friend thinks they're good to drive. That's funny, though, just people getting knocked down. Just a train of people. Um, in other uh, police blotter news, man charged with body slamming a woman for unplugging PlayStation. Uh, he told Officers, the woman unplugged his PlayStation. Did he save? So he body slammed her. The woman suffered injuries to her head. He's facing domestic abuse charges. Um, no word on if he was able to save his game. That's the worst when you're a kid. Obviously, this is a very it, serious crime. But you know when your dad's like, turn it off. Like, <laughs> I haven't saved yet. I gotta well, save. You know, it's video games. Uh, if you put in hours and then lose all that progress, it's so... It's hard to describe, but I always kind of try to describe it as like, let's say you read a book, you read 100 pages. Yeah, and, and then someone it's gone. Like, is like, no, you have to read it again now. Mm, yeah. Even though you know what happens, we're forcing yeah. you to read it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great way to describe it. And we should warn people, currently in Minnesota, there's just a pandemic of opioid overdoses going on. It's been It's been on the news lately, but... Uh, 175 drug overdoses, uh, including 17 deaths the past two weeks. And then there's been uh, five overdoses in the last 36 hours, uh, it says, in St. Paul. So, Wow. If you're using opiates in the Twin Cities, be extremely careful. Yeah, be careful. I if mean, you, don't do them, but also you're going to anyway, so be careful when you do. If you know someone who has addiction problems or history just check up with them this week the next few weeks um because it's dangerous this is like it's not a single case they're finding it in different like in both fake oxycodone pills and in batches of heroin and it's from minneapolis and St. Paul, there's there's no seems real to be coming from a lot of different dealers, yeah, different products, um, and so I recommend people. Um, right now is a good time to look into Narcan training. They have free trainings every month 
the Steve Rumler Hope Network organizes one. Uh, you can go to their Facebook, and they have events set up. They're usually in Minneapolis, but they're free. They supply you with the uh, Narcan and teach you how to use it, but it's very handy to have on hand, uh, especially if you have friends or family that uh, struggle with this. But Now, I've heard that Narcan is not always super effective against fentanyl and fentanyl it's, derivatives. Um, it usually requires more doses okay. is the problem because it, it, it does work. It works. It, it's just... just it reverses all the effects. So it works really well. But... I heard that it's, it binds stronger than the um, Narcan does. Yeah. Um, that fentanyl stuff is tricky. It's just it's so lethal and it's such a small amount, like just a speck. Mm-hmm. You hear stories about police accidentally inhaling small amounts of mm-hmm. it during raids or stuff like that, and they it, wind up in the ER. Yeah. Um, there's some misinformation about that. Like, you can't... Absorb it through your skin. Yeah, that's what goes around. And um, Although, it, the dosage that it's at, you could have, like, I, specks on your hand that sure. you touch to your mouth without mm-hmm. realizing it, which I'm sure um, is the case with a lot of those. Yeah, and uh, I just mean... It's dangerous where people like feel that they couldn't enter a room okay, that yeah. had it in. It's not like so toxic that it's. Yeah, that's the one thing with a miss like that. This is not Ebola. Mm-hmm. Um, don't believe stuff like that. But uh, this is interesting because of the rise of overdoses going on. The police issued an OD alert. Uh, the first time the alert has been used since the department created it. Uh, so there's an app designed to help the police track opioid use. Um, the, they've been sharing warnings and tips uh, with anyone they've encountered. Uh, so be careful. And in Minnesota, we have a good Samaritan law that protects people from being charged if they seek medical help for, for an overdose. So you can't get charged uh, if you are possessing drugs yourself for calling the police for an overdose. Eric, what do you think of Lil Wayne and Blink-182 coming to town, touring together? I don't mind Lil Wayne, but it seems like a exercise in nostalgia, yeah, which I'm not really interested in. It's totally what it is. A millionaire, I'm a young money millionaire, tougher than Nigerian hair. My criteria compared to your courageous isn't fair. I'm a venereal disease like a menstrual Odd pairing. Um, and you're going to get, though, that certain type of person. I mean, you can picture it easily. The Growing up in Lakeville, suburban kids, this is a dream pairing. It's two different eras for them of artists they were obsessed with. Yeah, for the early millennial, I think that it's kind of right smack dab in the they're graduating high school, starting college, mm. right around when those bands were biggest. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I liked Blink-182 a lot uh, when I was 13. Um, yeah, I just remember they had like some funny songs I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care for their music. It uh, stayed, though, when I was 13. Like It didn't continue with me. <laughs> Something I grew out of. That's interesting. Yeah, I have certain... All of my favorite bands when I was that young are like embarrassing, but not for the reasons that other people's are. It's like I had the musical taste of a just a thirty-eight-year-old slob. <laughs> what, like what? Like I really liked Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> oh, I liked I uh, Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> uh, stuff like that, like comic book dorks that were like entering middle age. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um... That's a different take on the embarrassing music. Well, I know, because everyone else is like, oh, I like boy bands. <laughs> I I had pretty, uh, like, at a young age, I started getting good music taste, but that was just because uh, my parents have good music taste, so it was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I liked a lot of stuff that is not embarrassing, like that my parents liked. Like, I really like Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite bands, uh, Bob Dylan, stuff like that. But I definitely, the stuff that came from me was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you went to Coachella uh, when we were in high school. Yeah, that was one of very year. early Coachellas. I don't know if it was very early, but it was kind of early when it was getting national attention. Really? I, I, I felt think it like... started in like 2002. Really? Um, so I went in 2007. Um, but uh, nowadays, I can't even picture going to a music festival, like traveling for one and going for three days. It sounds miserable to me. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think something like Lollapalooza I could probably do because it's very accessible where, like, Coachella's in the middle of a desert. It's, and uh, you're very insulated from the rest of There's no California. way... I could invest lots of money to do this. If everything was provided for me and I could leave whenever I felt like mm-hmm. it, I would. But the amount of work it takes to go to one of those, I am just completely oh, yeah. uninterested in. It's a lot of time and attention mm-hmm. to get all these things in place, not and, including the money. Yeah, uh, it sounds just miserable That being to me. said, I would absolutely go to a Coachella like there was in 2007 again. Yeah. Uh, looking at it now, I don't think I'd want to go to it. <laughs> it looks way too overcrowded. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it was it was crazy because it's on a polo field in the middle of a desert. So it's 120 degrees up, but you're in lush grass. Yeah. It's a very strange experience. And, uh, yeah, festivals these days seem um, just completely corporatized, like um, just... Any semblance of cool has been marketed at this point. Every single corner has a corporate logo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These are the AT&T Biffies. Uh, So it's just those things these days don't interest me much. I'd rather be in an environment that uh, is more comfortable. And seeing music outdoors in the heat sucks. Did you like uh, Rock the Garden last year? Yeah, that was fun. But see, that was one day here in town. Mm-hmm. That's um, you're not making a trip. Mm-hmm. That's different, and I'm not doing multiple days where I feel obligated to be there for twelve hours. I've been interested in going to Bonnaroo. 
That looks fun to me. That's um, where they camp, right? Yeah, it's kind of out in the woods. Um, yeah, think I, it's in Tennessee. I do too. I'm pretty sure. And that one's always been um, had a good reputation, and mm-hmm. people have said that it was. It looks fun. less commercialized than a lot of the other ones are nowadays. I used to go to uh, South by Southwest to to play shows. We used to do it mm-hmm. every year, and that um, seems a little different, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's just it like is. a. Uh, it's a, the entire town is taken over. And so it's not at one site. It's every venue in town has their own little mini festival going on Mm -hmm. in it. And, um, the, the party in Austin is just taking place in the street too. Just everywhere throughout Austin. Yeah. So see, that could be like as fun or as stressful as you want it to be. Yeah. (laughs) Depending Um, on how much you want to fit in. And then there's um, well the the point of South by Southwest is to discover like up and coming talented artists. So there's a lot of that going on mm-hmm. too. A lot of networking and showcasing musical talent stuff like that. Yeah, um, but then there's a lot of just the festival types that show up to it too. Mm-hmm. It used to be like an actual uh, serious event for that cause, and like um, people. That was the one time a year that they really went out there to do that, like uh, find new artists to um, connect with. But how'd you like that? How'd I like, like South by Southwest? How'd you like performing at it? And then how did you like being there and and experiencing it with everyone else? I uh, I mean it's a ton of fun because uh, it, it's a it's a free for all. Uh, performing at it was there's. So many performances going on. So a lot of people go down there with this like big expectation. Yeah. Um, but it's just people are, it's so saturated that no one can pay that much attention to you. And like uh, people forget all these bands that they see down there. Mm-hmm. It's so many bands. I mean, yeah. compared to even a regular festival, a big festival like Coachella, it's probably 100 times the number of bands playing. It was cool, though, because at that time, I was also uh, DJing, so all these people I knew in New York doing that had these connections down there. Oh, sure. So uh, they were able to get me into all these cool events. Like, I went to a, a Mountain Dew party, and I just loved that because <laughs> I love Mountain Dew. But it was like a invitation only. Um, but that made the South by Southwest experience much more fun having some connections. All right, folks. Well, it's a pleasure being with you. Mission Accomplishers, hosted by Hunter Hawes, Eric Nelson, Saturdays, 7 p.m. on AM 950. But as always, remember, prosecute the Bush administration for war crimes. We're coming for you, bastards. Whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether you're Solar World Sun or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could a Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. My dad uh, one month, well, I was like 18 or 19, and I remember one of my friends was... Doing something healthy for a month, so I uh, instead 
uh, only ate Lunchables for an entire month. Ooh, long-term challenge. <laughs> yeah, uh, that sounds like I, you could have some serious health complications I, I, I accomplished it. it. Um, no, I didn't notice anything. I had a lot of Lunchables in my Diet fridge. Diet as usual. <laughs> We're here today to talk about a little radio program called Mission Accomplishers. Uh, this is a podcast. Can't say I've heard of them. <laughs> oh, I beg to differ, friend. I think you know exactly who they are. 